If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading uh, at verse uh, 18. Verse 18 of Romans chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verse 18. Listen to it carefully today. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Something you're not going to hear a whole lot about. And in many circles you will not hear about at all. It's amazing that we can have a Bible written as clear as this Bible is written. And be in churches where preachers refuse to preach what is written in these pages. Parts of it that they are proud of the fact that they do not bring forth to their congregations on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or any other time. In fact, they boast in the fact that they never preach against sin or on sin. And you can't read this Bible and not figure out that sin is still the problem. And the blood of Jesus is still the answer for the sin problem. Amen? But there are preachers today that tens of thousands follow. There are people that watch them on television and stay out of churches. They boast in the fact, I get my church by watching this preacher who is a personality that they can embrace. They'll never be convicted sitting in their home, uh, eating their French toast and, and uh, uh, with syrup and butter. Quit salivating, quit salivating. You should have already had breakfast. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. They can sit there in the comfort and convenience of their home. There is no altar call that is going to draw them. There is no message that's going to convict them. If there's sin in their life, it will not be brought to the surface. And therefore, they stay in the vicious circle that they are in. They hear a materialistic message. It feeds the flesh. They that are of the flesh do what? They mind the things of the flesh. And they that are of the Spirit... It's entirely different, the value system. There's a paradigm shift in the value system. It's entirely different. It doesn't mean that we don't rejoice in the fact that God promised and has made provision to meet our daily needs. I expect God to continue to bless me materially. I do. I expect blessings to come. Someone asked me the other day, a young lady that was here, uh, said, would you still rather have a brand new pickup truck than a Rolex watch? And I said, yes, because I can tell time with whatever this is. It's a nice one. I think it's a citizen. Uh, it's a nice watch. It could have been a Timex. It doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, I, my wife took a picture of me. I think I was standing kind of like this. And, and uh, I, said, I said, be sure you get my Timex. You, you probably don't get that unless you know about the guy and his Rolex. And if you've got a Rolex, wonderful. Praise God. There's nothing wrong with wearing a Rolex watch. But there's something very wrong if that's what you're after when you came to Christ. Can, and that's your expectation. And that the riches of this world is what you are after instead of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Well, all right. You won't hear much about that, but the Bible is very clear about the wrath of God. And I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. You can never appreciate the grace of God until you comprehend and understand the wrath of God. We used to sing that song, Roll Back the Curtain of Memory, now and then, and show me 
where you took me from and where I would have been. That's what continues to produce gratitude in our life. If you don't understand the awful condition of the lost. By the way, this word wrath, the Bible said the wrath of God abides upon. It is an inconstant upon those that are not saved. The wrath of God is constant. Everybody say constant. There's, there's no back door to heaven. There's no circumventing God's demand for holiness. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against how much ungodliness? All of it. And we all were under that sentence of spiritual death before we came to Christ. The Bible said we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says something in the book of Revelation that I find it, it's, a, it's paradoxical. Because it begins to talk about the beginning of the tribulation period and, and the, 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 the real terror when Jesus returns. When the judgments are falling, the horrible guilt and terror and fear of that judgment. The Bible said, I saw the great men and the small men and the tall men and the rich men and the poor men. In other words, out of every condition of life, I saw them. See, there's no one so powerful, so mighty now that when that day occurs, that is not going to be filled with terror and fear and trepidation. Not one. And said they begin to call for the rocks and the mountains. Fall on us. Revelation chapter 6. Fall on us. Fall on us. When you get to the point that you fear the judgment of God so much, you would rather a mountain fall on you to hide you from His face. That's scary. When Jesus is seen in the book of Revelation, He's not seen as He was seen on the Villa Dolorosa on the way to the cross or on the cross or even immediately after the cross. He has ascended. He is glorified. And when He comes back, He's not riding on a donkey. And when John saw the glorified, resurrected Christ, John saw Him coming on a white horse and the armies of heaven following Him. And upon His thigh there was a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And the Bible said the reason there's going to be peace on this planet is not because everyone's going to become Christian. It's because He's King of kings and He's Lord of lords. And He will rule... He will rule those that have even been unruly with a rod of iron. And they're not going to like it. Lost people will still be born into the thousand year reign of Christ. And they will still rise up against Him at the end of that thousand years. Isn't that incredible that Satan will still appeal to the fallen nature of those who are still unsaved? And there, I'm not astounded that there are people that won't hear the gospel and come to Christ. There are people that are not going to come to Christ when He is here and the new Jerusalem is here. Amen? Amen. Amen. They've had a thousand years of Jesus being right here. And when the enemies let out of the pit, He was bound with chains for a thousand years. It said an angel took a hold of him, that old serpent, the devil, bound him with chains and cast him into the bottomless pit, into the abyss, until the thousand years was ended and he was let out for a season. And what does he do? 
Everyone that has not accepted Christ, that is bowed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, He incites them to rebel against Christ. And they think because of what He does. He's that. See, He's using something. He's using something inside of every fallen man, woman, boy, and girl. He's appealing to something within them that hasn't been changed. Amen. Listen, if you become a Christian, something inside of you has changed. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Satan can make his appeal, but he can't have that response that he's used to getting from you. He will tempt us, but he can't taint us if we do not give in to him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If any man be in Christ, make no mistake about it. He is a new creation. He's not the old man made over. He's not the old man made better. Can you say, man, he's a new creation. A creative work of God's Holy Spirit has taken place in your spirit. You are not sinlessly perfect, but something is so perfectly changed you that now in your heart, amen, there is no seat for Satan to sit upon as the God of this world and the God of your world any longer. There's, that seat is reserved for one person that you call Lord and Savior. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Make no mistake about it. God is still angry with sin. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. But make no mistake about it. He loves the sinner. That's paradoxical too. How can God hate the sin and love the sinner? He can hate the sin because He's holy. He can want to forgive and redeem the sinner because He loved. He is love. Can you say amen? So the paradox is, in Revelation chapter 6, it says that I saw the great men and the small men and the rich and the poor, the men of every culture, every standing, cry unto the rocks and the mountains, fall upon us and hide us from the face of Him that sits upon the throne. See, the Bible said it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. What does that mean? That means without repentance, with, in our sins, to have to face Him who we've sinned against. Scripture, listen, this is a healthy fear. This is a holy fear. Amen? Thank God I'm saved today. I don't have to fear His face. I want to see His face. I want to look into His eyes. But but to see a holy God's consternation against our sin, the one who holds our soul's destiny in His hands. I saw the great men, these people that are so filled with pride because of their riches and their power, their political power, their military power. I saw them stand before Him and He said they cried for the rocks and mountains. I can't look Him in the face. I can't look Him in the eye. Fall on us. Hide us from the face of Him who sits upon the throne. And here's the paradox. And from the wrath of the Lamb. And from the wrath of the Lamb. 
Don't think that the Jesus that they hung on the cross is the Jesus that is coming back again. Can you say, man, they will never hurt him again. They will never harm him again. He will never be as a lamb, dumb before his shears, for out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword. Can you say, man? And the next verse says, and who shall be able to stand? That's a great question. Who can stand before a holy God and not be so terrified and so fearful I'll tell you who can do it those who have been redeemed by the blood of his son and our savior those whose sins have been remitted those whose sins have been forgiven we don't have to fear the wrath to come hallelujah because God has not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation because of Jesus Christ hallelujah I don't know about you but I have a lot of things go wrong in my life. I'm, I, I got a target on me. Amen. Get Brother Venable down. He won't be able to lift anybody else up. Amen. Don't expect me to come in beat up, battered, beleaguered, and beat down. Discouraged and disappointed. You say, what was the point of that humorous story you told? I want you to know the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I want you to know that, that sin isn't, isn't giving you very much because I see people that don't want to deal with their sin come to church. Not only is their sin not fulfilling them, but they get in here and get under Holy Ghost conviction on top of that. No wonder they're headed for some other church or just watching somebody on television that never deals with their sin. If sin is so good... You know the old country song, anything that feels this good can't be bad. It was bad for the woman at the well. Because she'd had five failed relationships and was give up on marriage altogether and just shacking up with a guy. She was having... Complete freedom in her sexual encounters. But she was empty within. And when she came, Jesus didn't have a finger to point at her sin. He knew what her sin was and He knew why she was sinning. And He loved her. And He said, woman, give me to drink. She was Syrophoenician and Jews had nothing to do with Gentiles. She was taken back. That he would ask her to draw water from the well and do something as a servant would do. That she, he would even, she recognized he was a holy man. And she said, it took her back. She was astonished that he would ask her to give him a drink. And he said, woman, if you knew who it was that asked you for water, you would ask of me and I'd give you living water. And you would never thirst again. There's the sin problem. Conquered. Canceled. Can you say man? Hallelujah. If you get full of God, you're not going to have to look through sin to try to find something that will fulfill you. If you get God's goodness, God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's purpose, God's future. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. There's nothing like it in all of the world. 
We do not blush. We do not step back. We boldly proclaim to those that have not yet been forgiven their sins. Come to Christ. Be forgiven. Let Him fill every part of your heart, your life, and your mind. Let Him help you in the now and give you an eternal future that you don't have to fear the wrath to come. Can you say amen? He said, woman, you're going to come back to this well again and again. Because you're going to keep on getting thirsty. But what I can give you will quench the deepest longings of your soul. Hallelujah. And man, she said, give me then this water that I thirst no more. Can you say, man? And then she, of all people, went back to her village where she had the Worst reputation in the village. Come and see a great religious system. Come and see this great denomination. If you just join it. It was clear. It was concise. Come and see a man. Hallelujah. A man. See, see, we just got the brief part of the message. He didn't just tell her everything she ever did he gave her the answer for everything she had ever done can you say man she got forgiven she got cleansed praise god and the next thing out of her mouth was lord where can i where can i give thanks where can i give gratitude show where can i worship do i worship in that holy city that holy mountain he said the time has come now is amen where true worshipers shall worship me in spirit and in truth for the Lord seeketh such to worship him in other words if you want to worship me right now on the ground that you're standing you don't need stained glass you don't need steeples praise God you don't need to go to the holy land I want you to know where the presence of God is it is holy land hallelujah in fact I'm going to take a trip to the holy land when I leave church today oh brother Venable How long are you going to be going to Israel? Not going to Israel. Going to Plant City. Kingdom of God is within us now. You can't find it in Jerusalem. Oh, it's wonderful to go there and see these historic places and walk where He walked. But He's not just walking in Jerusalem. He walked in Jerusalem, but He's walking in you and in me right here and right now. Hallelujah. As it is written, I will live in them and I will walk in them. Can you say, man? Oh! ISIS is tearing down all of the holy places, holy artifacts, all of those, those historic places are being bulldozed to the ground. Friend of mine, I want you to know something. Amen. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you want to get in a holy place, recognize who you are in Christ and who He is in you. Can you say man? Hallelujah. I'm so excited about the Lord today. Listen to what he says as we hurry. Did someone take the battery out of that clock or is it right? It's wrong. That clock is wrong. It's quarter to 12. I'm, I'm, no, it's okay it's, that it's wrong. I'll tell you what time it is. It's quarter of 12. 
I'm trying to beat Brother Taylor. He let you out at noon. I heard about it. I heard about it. <laughs> they said it was a great service. We got out at noon. I hope they remember what you preached. <laughs> I hope so too. Listen to me carefully. I'm so glad to be saved today. I'm so glad to be saved today. John, I'm so glad you're saved today. Amen. I don't want to just worship with you here. I want to I want to have fun with you when we get to heaven. Praise God. Hallelujah. I told the Lord, I want hair like his. When I Let it turn as wide as it wants. Just give me a lot of it, Brother Taylor. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. When John saw Jesus, when John saw Jesus in the book of Revelation, and by the way, the book of Revelation... It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not the revelation of the Antichrist. It's not the revelation of the devil. It's not about who the Antichrist is. It's all about who Jesus Christ is. Everybody's been trying for years to figure out who the Antichrist is. And the Bible said until he's revealed, no one's going to figure him out. Thank you for the hearty amen. No one's going to do it. They thought Hitler was the Antichrist. They thought Henry Kissinger, they thought, I mean, I know he looked kind of sad all the time, but he wasn't the Antichrist. Nero, they thought Nero might be. Some people think Obama's the Antichrist. One day he's going to be revealed. And he ain't going to be like you think he's going to be initially. He's going to be one of the most loving, peace-providing. He's going to be a diplomatic genius. He's going, to be a, he's going to have the solution for the culture because Satan is going to inhabit him literally. And Satan through him, all the demons that are causing wars... Because of two things. Because he's going to be a diplomatic genius and because he's going to hold the absolute military power of the world under his jurisdiction and control. And this world is going to have a false peace through him. And the world is so war-weary. Aren't you tired of seeing the beheadings, of seeing the mass killings, of hearing the rattling of war all over the world and the threat of our young men and women being recommitted to battlefields? And maybe it is necessary. The point is we're in the time of wars and rumors of wars. That has existed since the beginning of time because of this fallen world and fallen men and women. But there's a, there's a, a, cons, a, a frequent that has been added there's a frequency everybody say frequency these things have to be looked like in the at the context of frequency the bible said that that in the old testament speaking of the day of the lord that is soon coming i see all men everywhere with their hands upon their loins as a woman in travail with a child and the bible said the last days would be marked by the same kind of attitude because of all the sin and its consequences that is taking place in our world today. 
Labor pains is the word that is used in the new covenant. Labor pains. And what is it about labor pains? You know what it is? If you go to the hospital in labor, first thing they're going to ask you, how far apart are they? Before anything else, how far apart are they? Everybody say frequency. 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 How far apart are they? Amen. Earthquakes. There shall be earthquakes. There always been, but the frequency is intensified. There's not this big space between wars. There's not this big space. In fact, there's a war occurring somewhere in the world 24-7. Many wars are occurring and many more are about to start. We're in a war-weary world. And the man that's going to come on the scene is going to stop the wars and bring a false peace before Jesus comes. And the Bible said, and when they cry, peace, peace. See, there's wars, there's rumors of wars, there's earthquakes in divers places, but the end is not yet. It's the beginning of the end, but the end is not yet. But when they cry, what? Peace, peace. We've achieved peace without God. Without peace with God, we've achieved peace on the earth. Without the peace that Jesus comes to make when He reconciles us to God, man is going to have a man bring a false peace for a season. It's not seven years of complete chaos on the earth. The first three and a half years of the tribulation is the reign of the Antichrist and the false prophet, and a false peace is ushered in. And when they cry, peace, peace, then shall the end come. They hid their faces in that great day of judgment. But you turn your faces heavenward. You long for my coming if you are my children. You look for my appearing. And to they that look, he shall appear without sin unto salvation, saith the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. 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 The wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb. Scripture is very clear that all judgment has been committed to him. That's why when John saw him, at the opening of the book of Revelation, the revelation of who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the doe-eyed, let him do anything to him in order that he might save us. The lamb going to the cross? No. The lamb that now sits upon the throne. John said... He was just broken hearted as the book of Revelation begins to unfold. And I'm going quickly touching highlights. He's broken hearted. Because in the hand of Him, God, who sits upon the throne, there's a book. There's a sealed book. The tribulation begins with that book. Amen? Amen. Being unsealed and opened. As the pages turn, the judgments and the angels bring the bold judgments, the trumpet judgment. It all starts with a book being unsealed and opened. And that book has high significance to you and me in our salvation. 
Because there was not one in heaven or earth found worthy to take the book from him that sits upon the throne and to open the seals thereof. Not one. Search was made in heaven and earth and not one human being, not one man, Moses, Abraham, any of the saints of God, not one living or in heaven was found worthy to take the book from him that sits upon the throne and to open the seals and the pages thereof. And John was broken hearted because evidently he knew this book has significance to us. It's vital. In the garden, most scholars believe and know, we know that in the garden, man's title deed to the earth was transferred to the devil and he became the God of this fallen world. Make no mistake about it, he's, he is the major influence in everyone who is unsaved today. That's why the culture is like it is. That's why the heinous crimes are being committed. That's why that you see people tortured and burned and beheaded. It's not just ISIS. It's happening right here in America. By Americans. And John is heartbroken because there can never be a heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness until that title deed is returned to its rightful place in people. And no one was found worthy. And the angel told John, Don't weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Everybody say Jesus Christ. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. The lion of the tribe of Judah. He hath prevailed. <laughs> and because he hath prevailed in our behalf. I want you to know his victory was not for his behalf. He didn't need to win no victory. He is the victor itself. Personified. He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for anyone who wants to be free today. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. He hath prevailed. Where did He do it? Hanging on the cross. If the princes of this world had known oh, what was happening on that cross, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. Woo! So John now has hope because he sees what was lost being restored because of Jesus Christ and His victory in our behalf. And John looked for that lion. And what did he see? Here's the paradox again. He said, and I saw a lamb as it had been slain. Everybody say a little Blood-soaked lamb. When they cut the throat of the lamb, the blood just permeated the wool. He saw, I saw a little lamb with its throat cut. And, oh, Bashandada, who is this? Who is this that comes with his garment dipped in blood, the Old Testament said. Can you say, man, who is this that's come with his garment dipped 
in blood. Blood is the saving element. Life is in the blood. Can you say, man, shunned? And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But because holy sinless blood was shed by a man who never sinned who was God incarnate can you say man we can have a salvation hallelujah that takes away all the fear of the judgment to come that eliminates us from the wrath of God we have been reconciled unto him And some of us drag into church and drag all our troubles with us because all we can see is all the little things throughout the week and even the big things that get us down and beat us down and keep us down and we're not focusing on the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're not filled with such gratitude that we can't wait to get in God's house and praise His name. Amen. Brother, remember, you don't know what kind of week I had. And I don't want to know what kind of week you're having. I want to know what kind of day you're having right here and right now. Is that week canceling what He has done for you? Are you going to continue to let the devil steal and defraud you out of the joy of the Lord? Are you going to worship Him through your tears? Are you going to worship Him in spite of your fears? Are you going to preach to your others and come in beat down and beat up? I require more than anointing on you before you start messing with somebody else. You've got to get the beam out of your own eye. Can you, you've got to deal with you before you start dealing with me. And i got to deal with me before I start dealing with you. And i got such a full-time job dealing with me, I don't have a whole lot of time to pick at you. Amen? Don't mean I'm not going to pick at you. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time doing it. If I get the beam out of my eye, I can see more clearly how to get the piece of dust out of your eye. By the way, when you're removing a speck of dust, you do it gently. You're careful not to harm a very delicate, delicate part of a person. Can you say, man, hallelujah. I said a delicate part of a person. Speaking the truth in love. And you know what will cause you to do that? When you see yourself in your own need, you'll be more merciful to everybody else in their need. Can you say man? Can you say man? You get rid of this condescending attitude. You don't just point at people with a judgmental attitude. You look at everybody else and you say within your heart, except for the grace of God. There go I. That could be me. And it opens the door for forgiveness. Hallelujah. Of that person. And it opens the door then for God to forgive you. Praise God. If God, for one reason, one reason only. If God, for Jesus' sake, everybody's for His sake, has forgiven you. Then we ought, oh to, oh to, oh to, we ought to forgive one another. Hallelujah. We owe it. I owe Sean forgiveness. And he owes me forgiveness. And I'm expecting him to pay up. 
Amen. You owe me forgiveness. Oh, you say, Brother Venerable, I have nothing to forgive you for. Hang around a while. Get to know me better. You'll find something to forgive me for. Guaranteed. Terry, I forgive you. I don't know what of, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it. So I can be forgiven. And because I owe it to you. I owe it to you. I owe it to you. Somebody in here needs to let somebody go. That you just want to wring their neck. Let it go. Let, let it go. Say it, Sean. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth your peace. It ain't worth your joy. It ain't worth your fellowship relationship with God. It ain't worth His forgiveness when you need it. Oh, yeah, I hate the song, but I love what it means. My granddaughter sings to the frozen thing. She's driven my son crazy. She sings, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. He goes outside and changes his oil, and it don't need changing. He can't take the song anymore. It's killing him. He said, it's in my head. I can't get it out, Dad. I can't get I said, why don't you just let it go? That doesn't help at all to him. We need to let it go. We need to let it go. We need to let it go. John said in the book of Revelation chapter 1, I heard a voice behind me. Sound of many waters, Niagara Falls, the force and the power was so overwhelming. I turned to see who was speaking to me. And he saw Jesus revealed the, the, the resurrected, glorified Christ. He said the first thing that caught my attention other than that voice of absolute power and absolute authority was the fact that his hair was white as snow. It's not because he's the ancient of days. Amen. It's not because he was aging. Amen. It's because he was, he was that, that, that represented a righteous judge. Everybody say a right, he's, he saw him as the judge of the world. Can you say man? This lamb, this blood soaked lamb. Hallelujah. Because he was obedient to the death of the cross and humbled himself. God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Amen. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things beneath the earth that at the sound of his name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. Can you say man? His hair is as wool. I'm so glad when I stand before the judge of all flesh, the judge of the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. I'm so glad that my sin has been judged in him at the cross who is now my judge. Hallelujah. 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 Your sin was judged in Him or you have it. But if it was judged in Him, it's been remitted. Thank God I don't have to fear the judgment to come. Hallelujah. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Do not think x-ray vision from Superman. Yes, he looks into the human heart. That's not what John saw. 
the actual Greek says, fiery indignation. It's the wrath of the Lamb. Can you say, man, it's the wrath of God. Justifiable anger. He's obligated to judge sin. His holiness demands it. He can't look over it. He can't sweep it under the rug. But He's made a provision so that that great sin debt can be paid in full for you and for me and for those who will humble themselves and repent and accept Christ and repent and accept Christ. There's no salvation without repentance in this book. There is no salvation without repentance. If you're not willing to turn for your sin, God can't forgive your sin. He can only forgive when you confess and forsake. Does that leave you sinlessly perfect? No. But you are not living a life of consistent sin against God knowingly. He that committeth. Everybody say committeth. Say this with me. Live habitually in. See, no conviction, no repentance. He that committeth sin, First John says, is of the devil. You can be baptized in water. You can join the church. Someone can tell you you're okay. It doesn't matter. He that committeth sin is of the devil. You can't have two, you can't serve two masters, Jesus said. You can't, you can't, you can't, you cannot. You will love one and hate the other, or you will hate one and love the other. You can't serve God and mammon simultaneously. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. 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 Romans 6 and verse 16. Whoever you yield your members, servants to obey. His servant you are, whom you obey, whether God unto righteousness or sin unto death. So back to Romans, so we can close. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest to them for God has shown it to them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse Man is always going to make an excuse for not coming to Christ, for not acknowledging God. The Bible said the heavens declare His handiwork. The very, the very universe that we live beneath and within declares and cries a Creator. And regardless of their PhDs and scientific knowledge, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, in light of what is what? Plainly revealed. And it's not just in the universe, but in the human heart. God knows what is known in the heart, and He knows why people reject the knowledge of Him. And He knows it's not that they're too intelligent and too scientifically oriented. He knows that darkened human heart, acknowledging there's a, a God that they must answer to, they become accountable for their sin. For their rebellion. And they don't want. And the God of this world has what? 
blinded the minds of men. I'd rather be a Christian with a fifth grade education digging a ditch out there by the road and be saved than to be a Ph.D. with a tenured job at a university writing books and papers and not know Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm glad that I know Him today. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Now, you want to know the judgment that is here? Let's read it real quickly. Because, verse 21 said, that when they knew God, God knows that they know. They'll declare they don't know and don't want to know. God says they do know. And declaring they don't know is not going to let them off the hook. Because God knows that deep in their heart of hearts, they know. They're rejecting light. They're refusing light. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were... There it is. There's gratitude. Neither were what? Thankful. Ingratitude is the most glaring sin of a generation consumed with self. But became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. There's the judgment. There it is. There it is. You reject the light. You open the door to the darkness. The darkness floods the soul. And we're living in a sin-darkened world. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man. And to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Idolatry has been around for a long, long time. But the supreme idolatry is not an image that man has made to worship. It's when he begins to worship himself. Self-love becomes the all-consuming idolatry of a sin-darkened world. Wherefore, God also gave them up. People ask me, why doesn't God judge? This is the judgment. It's here. It's now. God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. He said, this is what you want. I'm going to let you Go deeper into that darkness. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator. Who is blessed forever.